you're very welcome along to the gardening programme here on Midwest. It's a bank holiday weekend. Porek, lots of gardening time. And more importantly, it's a beautiful weekend. We're promised beautiful temperatures today, right up to 13 or 14 degrees and right through the weekend. So it's fantastic gardening weather and, and we'd, I'd say, see significant growth over the next couple of days. Touch of frost at night time. Yes, I had to go back in and get a drop of hot water there for the go. windscreen this yeah. morning. It kind of took me unawares because I yeah. wasn't, uh, hadn't really listened to the forecast yesterday. I was just had a bit of a busy day and I'm out this morning and said, oh, I said, is that frost? Yeah. So sure back is. in, scuttle, scuttle. Anyway. And with high pressure, we're going to see that over the right over the weekend. So listeners with tender plants, certainly things like marigolds and geraniums, just be careful not to put those out just yet. They're fine in window boxes and containers. Cover them at night time with a bit of fleece or bring them into the garage. But just be a little bit careful with any tender plants. Now, most plants are perfectly fine, but there are, of course, a short list of... Um, half-hardy annuals, as we call them, that can be um, damaged by frost. So things like tomato plants and peppers and cucumbers and all of those, if you've got them in your greenhouse, certainly cover them at night time for the next three or four nights with that high pressure there until we return to uh, to low pressure, more cloudy nights. So that's something to keep an eye out for. If people are planting out new plants at the moment as well, keep an eye on the slugs. They're quite active at the moment. My advice is to use one of the organic treatments. They're very effective now. So you can actually buy an organic slug pellet. It looks and smells like the ordinary slug pellet. It's blue. And I was going like to say the thing. blue. Yeah. Okay. And it's exactly the same kind of. Um it's based on bran, but rather than being dipped in a poison, it's actually dipped in natural uh, minerals, so iron and uh, potassium in particular. So there are treatments like Areza, which are very effective at controlling slugs, but are very safe to use. So they're perfectly safe for children or pets or birds in particular, uh, but very effective at controlling the slugs. And the interesting thing is when the slugs eat something like Areza, it actually buries itself in the soil. So you don't get this slime, you know, typically when you use... Yes, or shriveled pellets. up slugs. Yeah, you see this kind of uh, slime because they're effectively dehydrating from the from the old traditional chemicals. So if you are using or uh, treatments for slugs, and my advice is, if you're putting down veg in particular, uh, bedding plants in particular, uh, the, you know the, the, those early plants are very vulnerable at this time of year. Your hostas are coming through, for example, uh, grow through the soil and and are growing very strongly at the moment. So tender or plants like that are, that are uh, attractive to slugs, now is the time to k- take control. Don't be leaving it for three or four weeks' time and use the organic treatments. You'll find them very effective. So Areza is a particularly good one, um, but there are others on the market. Uh, you'll get them in your local garden centre. With applying slug pellets, it's little and often. Don't be, you often see plants and they're absolutely covered in pellets. All blue. Yeah, all blue, yeah. So small, little and often is really the, the recommendation. So maybe every seven to ten days, a small application because they, the slug would be attracted to it rather than the plants. We are coming up to the time of year, so we're in May bank holiday, but June bank holiday is always associated with bloom. Indeed, so um, kind of four to five weeks away. It is, yeah, four to five weeks away. So now is the time, I mean, people always ask me about the plants that are in flower at bloom. You know, so if you think of what's blooming at bloom, things like the lovely alliums, which are in the onion family, but these, they've got these big tennis ball head flowers in purples and whites and pinks. I think they're stunning. They're beautiful. Mm. Uh, but every year people are asking, when is the time to plant those? And things like lupins are in full flower for bloom, lavender, beautiful plants like salvia, the perennial sla- salvias, which come back year after year. Not only do the flower for the June Bank holiday, but when I was in the OPW in October of this year, mm. I shot a small little video of salvia still in flower in October. 
So it flowered from June right through to October. And looking at the video, you wouldn't know it was autumn. And the plants looked so well. It wasn't that they were fading. They were actually still in full, full flower, flower and the bees were covering them. So plants like the salvias can be planted this time of year. There's a lovely one, a short variety called Pink Marvel, which is quite a short variety, lovely for pots and containers. They're all perennial, which means they come back year after year. And, and a, a really great plant, um, particularly for long period of colour, but more importantly, for getting beneficial insects into your garden. The perennial geraniums, they always flower mm-hmm. again for um, for bloom. So there's some lovely varieties like Roseanne is a beautiful blue variety, blue and, and white. Or Brookside is another quite nice variety. Or Johnston's Blue, they're all blue varieties. But they do come in purples and pinks as well okay. and whites. Mm-hmm. And they're the perennial geranium, not our, our um, bedding plant geranium. And they're f- terrific for ground cover. Catmint, of course, will be in flower. The lovely uh, Peruvian lily, the Hemerocallis, is, is probably one of the one of the stunning plants for, for bloom. And again, it's a it's an old cottage garden plant. It comes back year after year. That's it there, the lovely oh, Alstromerius. Beautiful, so yeah. big rich colours. and Alstromerius, yes. they're, they're going to be both in flower for bloom. So I suppose really the point is, if you want to add a bit of bloom colour, thinking about uh, the bank holiday weekend of June and right through the summer, this is the time of year to actually get those plants into the soil because they have another four weeks uh, to, to start new growth and obviously come into bloom and mo- all of them will come back year after year. So things like lupins, delphiniums, the lovely salvias, the hemerocallus, the alstromerias, the ground covering geraniums which are fantastic, nepeta, the catmint which again is a, a really simple and easy plant to grow. So look for that kind of collection of cottage garden plants. They're available in gardens at the moment. Now is the time to plant them and if you do, give them a couple of liquid feeds over the summer period. They're all frost hardy so you can actually plant them out now without any problem and um, as I say, keep an eye on the slugs with them, but they will come back year after year and give you lots of colour. So plant a bit of bloom, I suppose, is the is the message. Roses as well. This yes. is a time of, of year for planting roses. So if listeners have them in their garden, obviously they're growing really strongly. Feed them, continue to put on the rose rescue just to keep a control of the bugs. Um, because aphids and green fly in particular are in abundance this year. So keep an eye for those. Um and and really the feeding of roses should happen at least once a month now and the treatments should go on about every two weeks and just to keep the roses. Again, prevention is better than cure. And again, it's a good time to plant roses in the garden. So if you want to add a bit of summer colour, the David Austin roses or beautiful varieties like Whiskey Mac or Sheila's Perfume, which is a lovely scented variety, Mum and a Million. There's loads of really good varieties. This is the time to plant them in your garden. The, the flower carpet roses, which are very popular for banks right. and slopes okay. and thing. Again, if you plant roses now, they will flower this coming June and they stay in flower well in to the autumn. Another kind of key things to do, again, with the, mindful that the weather is dry, um, we're seeing a lot of mare's tail. I think I mentioned it last week. Oh, yes, we did. So <laughs> now is the time to treat that. Yeah. Don't be letting it grow. So um, either hoe it out of the garden or put on one of the proprietary systemic treatments like um, Dicofar is very effective on it or SBK uh, treatments are, are effective but do read the packets be careful when you're putting them on but, but get on top of it now and weeds in general this weekend would be a good time to get out the garden hoe and, and start scuffling over the weeds get rid of them now before they become a problem later on in the season the temperatures t- at 13 degrees are perfect for sowing new lawns 
So for listeners that are maybe new houses or they want to have a damaged area of the garden or whatever, Mm -hmm. the sowing of lawn seed happens at this time of year, early May. If you sow it now, it'll germinate within two to three weeks and you'll have a solid lawn by July, August of this year. You'll be giving it its first cut. So the sowing of lawns happens and the soil conditions are beginning to dry out very nicely at the moment. So get the lawns in over the next couple of weeks. Wildflower meadows or wildflowers in the garden, they should be sown at this time of year as well. Hanging baskets. So again, again. if you want some summer colour from your hanging baskets, again, thinking about the June bank holiday weekend, mm. do something about it this weekend. So plant them up now. Uh, things like the training petunias, the bacopas, the training lobelias, training geraniums, all of those can be plotted up now into, into planted containers. A little tip, when you buy the plants in your local garden centre, pinch back the shoots or get one of those the team to show you how to pinch back the shoots right. because if you do that with the plants as they're going into the baskets it's going to double the amount of flower you get this year yeah. and remember in your standard hanging baskets you're looking to put in about 14 or 15 plants so fill them up well good quality compost liquid feed them on every fortnight and a hanging basket will come into flower in June and will stay in flower until September October if you water it and feed it well and the bit of competition between the plants increases the amount of flower but do pinch them back that doubles the amount flower. Strawberries should be planted again this weekend and most of your five a day you're still well well, I won't say loads of time but you're still well in time. Plenty of time to plant you can plant right through May, right into June, even if you find a a bag of seed potatoes that you've had forgotten to plant get them into the soil this weekend <laughs> um, because there's still plant, plenty of time to plant even the early varieties will you get kind of accelerated growth at this time of year mm. so they nearly catch up on, on those that may have planted them two or three weeks ago so if you have some of them knocking around my advice is to get them into the soil but in particular if you want to grow some of your five a day things like kale or Brussels sprouts or cabbage or carrots or whatever the plants are available the seed is available you can sow a little bit of both this weekend yeah. and and remember little and often so don't be tempted to put down 50 <laughs> cabbages right. type of thing put down a dozen <laughs> and then in a couple of weeks time plant That's a little a bit more, more. Yeah. so the sowing of seeds in general and the sowing of, of plants should be done at this time of year the feeding of plants as well I, I noticed a couple of questions in about when when to feed this and that you feed all plants at this time of year because everything is coming into growth and most plants actively grow between mid-April and the end of June. By the time we hit July, and certainly last year, growth stops when we get into the heat of the summer. So the key time to kind of perk plants up Mm. and give them, rejuvenate them, is this time of year. So again, the feeding of plants, put on a little bit of Osmore, a couple of liquid feeds on plants, will start to kick them into growth. Planting of tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, all those fruiting plants, Again, this is the time of year to start that. So it's a really busy time in the garden. If, if your hedges are coming into growth, again, this would be a good weekend to give them a light trim. Yep, just noticed that in the last week or two. Yeah, give it a light in. trim now. Don't leave it till June because you'll be cutting feet off the top of the hedge. A little bit of trimming now. And the whole purpose of trimming is that you're doubling the number of branches. You're making the hedge thicker, fuller. Um, you know, you're reducing the overall vigour in the hedge as well. So rather than a tall, stringy hedge, hedge you're adding... adding ending up <laughs> with a fuller, uh, fatter, clo- you know, a denser hedge. So a light bit of trimming now. I'm only talking about taking a couple of inches off. And again, feed. When we prune, we feed. Um, spring flowering plants, I think I mentioned last week, anything that's going out of flower. So you'll notice the lilacs have just come into bloom mm-hmm. and they're absolutely stunning everywhere. It's a good time to plant lilacs, but when they go out of flower in three weeks' time, 
that's the time to prune them back. And that applies to all spring flowering plants. So just as the flower is fading, that's the time to give them a haircut. The lovely clematis, spring flowering clematis, clematis montana, yep. has come into flower at the moment, those lovely shell pink flowers. Again, it'll flower to the end of May. And then at the end of May, we prune it back, you trim it back. So anything that's flowering at this time of year, be ready in three to four weeks time, as soon as that flower disappears, give them a trim back, feed them. And that's what th- that growth that's made then during the summer is where they flower next year. Sure, so nice. rhododendrons, for example, are flowering beautifully at the moment. But again, as they go out of flower, you give them a light trimming back and you give them a feed as well. And if you've got plants like boxwood in the garden, the lovely topiary boxwood, or maybe a standard uh, privet or euonymus or whatever, those kind of plants that are grown for topiary, for shaping, again, May is the time to give them a light trimming. Listeners that have boxwood in their garden, keep an eye out for the grey aphid. It's a small little grey bug that you uh, a couple of, I had a couple of, of customers this week uh, ringing me just about that problem. Mm. So you'll see it on boxwood. They produce new growth at the moment and you'll see this little grey aphid and if that's present, which in 99% of boxwoods it's it present, is. again, put on a, something like the bug clear just to get rid of it because he will do some damage on, on the plants. So really that's the type of thing. Again, the feeding of the lawns, if you haven't fed your lawn, it would be a good idea to put on a, a lawn fertiliser now, a slow release fertiliser, just to give it a nice bit of green growth. Mm. Continue to mow now about once a week you want to be mowing the grass uh, and again little and often is better than leaving it for several weeks and then uh, you know it becomes then a problem tag, then having a big a yeah. big meadow to cut yeah if you want a really good uh, tomato plant to plant well, there's a lovely variety called alicante that sounds is, very sunshiny yeah. and sweet <laughs> am I right it does come from, from, from is Spain is it red or yellow it's red yeah. it's a big tomato very very flavoursome it's actually an old variety but a really nice variety to grow so if you want your traditional big red juicy uh, red tomato then that alicante is a lovely variety it grows about four to five feet in height um, ideally it should be in a, in a greenhouse tunnel or a really sunny part of the garden and remember it is too early to put the tomatoes out of doors yet so keep them inside for uh, another two to three weeks and let them grow on. So they're the type of things people should be keeping on top of the weeds, sowing some seed, yeah. planting some veg, planting some fruit trees maybe as well, tidying up the garden, keeping the lawn nice and tidy, um, trimming um, the hedges, any spring flowering plants, kind of trimming those back as well. And Pl- getting things fed for, for, for the summer months. Feeding and hanging baskets and window boxes and containers, really kind of setting yourself up. Think that bloom is four weeks away. So it's preparing for that summer colour and and doing something about it now. So planting a lot of the cottage garden plants, um, sowing your new lawns, that type of little gardening jobs can be done. And of course, enjoying the garden as well. It's uh, part that, of all of that. That's just it, being able to sit out in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, and sit yeah. back. And, and, and it's, it's much easier to sit out in it and appreciate it when the jobs are done rather looks, than so frustrating true? yourself looking around going, oh, I have to, to do get, that and I have to do that and exactly. I have to do that. Yeah. And a little, little and often is really the way to tackle it. And, and exactly, when it's neat and tidy, you can sit back with a little bit of pride yes. and enjoy that gin and tantan. <laughs> yeah, or, or whatever tickles yeah, your fancy. Yeah. Okay, we have a great collection of program or questions uh Porik on the program a nice mix yeah nice mix I want to go back uh, to one that came in a fair bit earlier this morning some people were up early uh, Patricia sent us in a question regarding roses so she's just wondering about putting new roses into an old bed with existing ones she's been told that it's not a good idea but she can't understand why there you go so do, so te- she do tell has, please she obviously hasn't heard of of a 
a condition, a condition, it's not a disease, it's a condition called rose sickness. So basically, when you have, this happens with pansy plants as well, and viola plants, where you have roses growing in a bed for, for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and you dig them out or they die or whatever, some of the roots that are left behind will affect new roses that are planted. They'll actually, actually cause a bacterial condition that will actually rot the roots of new roses. So, and it's a disease called rose sickness. So the so the um, recommendation is never to plant roses in a bed where roses grew before. Now, having said that, you can do two things. You can either remove some of the soil that's there, put it into your veg garden or around your shrubs, whatever, mm-hmm. and bring back in some extra topsoil and the rose will be perfectly happy. Or you can get a, a, a special treatment that can be added to the soil. It's a microbo- microbial bacteria that you can actually mix into the soil that will counteract the rose sickness and that'll be available in any of the garden centres, local garden centres. So it's literally a powder, you mix it to the soil that's there. So take out the old roses, take out as much um, old roots as possible, Mm. add in maybe some farm manure or some organic compost or some garden compost, mix that into the soil because roses are very hungry feeders. But get yourself a packet of um, the microbiome Obriel bacteria and mix that into the soil before planting and your rose will be perfectly fine. Okay. So very good. That's so when transplanting trees, that treatment is used or tra- tra- transplanting roses, that treatment is used. So it is, yeah, it's a condition called rose sickness and you often get it where if you're growing pansies in the same soil every year, they tend to get sick after maybe a three or four years. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so they, yeah. that's was like everything. We all need a bit of a a, a, bit, bit a, a bit of a tonic a every bit of a tonic. so often. Now, I've brought two, bought two yellow grasses two years ago. It's very invasive and has spread into flower beds through shrubs. How do I get rid of it? I've dug out most of it, but can't get it all. Yeah, and uh, well, it's one of the ground covering, probably one of the carexes that it, that spreads by underground stems, a bit like the way bamboo sp- spreads. Or mint. Uh, Exactly. So the best treatment, I mean, digging it out, you, you, you'll probably remove, you know, 80% of it, but the little bits of roots will pop up again. My advice is just to let it grow. So leave it alone for, for the next three or four weeks and then treat it with the weed-free treatment. So you just apply that through a sprayer or watering can. That won't contaminate the soil, but it will kill the grass and that treatment will be bought, brought back into the root and kill off the, the central root as well. You need, may need to kind of persevere with it over the summer, give it one or two applications, but that will see it off. And, and many of the ground-covering plants like, like mint, like hutonia, can spread across the ground by just simply underground stems that start to pop up feet away from where it was originally planted. Or else get, you can get um, the gel, gel weed killer, again, that you just paint onto the leaves of the um, the grass of the Carex and that will kill it as well. It's a bit more tedious. I think the weed free would be very effective. Leave it for three or four weeks, let the grass come back, spot treat it and that will see it off. Okay, great. Without affecting the soil. I cleared my north face wall yesterday of daffodils and bluebells. The soil, a dry stone wall and old roses around it are covered in moss now. I have other shrubs there too. So what can I treat them with? I guess to get rid of the moss. Is someone in the moss? <laughs> it sounds very picturesque to and, me. And, and, well, that's it. And in, in when they're decreasing, trying to create that in bloom, they would be bringing in the moss and trying to get it to grow. And the, I don't know, do you remember last year there was a beautiful garden there, a seawall garden, and they had brought in little plants and lichens and mosses. To I actually, do remember that. Yeah, yes, a fabulous yes, yes. garden. Um, 
But anyway, but so to get the, but, but however, different strokes for different folks for it. How so, do we get rid of moss in this instance? Okay, well, if, if you've got moss in, on the walls like that, you can use the zero that we use on the lawns. That's most effective on controlling moss in whatever, if it's based on a wall or on, on a um, lawn area or whatever, if you've got moss and trees or whatever, the zero. So simply mix the zero up in water, apply it onto the wall and that'll get rid of it. But I think it looks great, to be honest. Yeah, it, uh, well, I, I, I'm, I kind of fond of that myself, but yeah. uh, I suppose everyone... See, Every, everyone no, has a different approach. It is north facing, yeah. so it's shaded. You're going to get, you you're, know, going to, you're going to have the ideal conditions for moss. The moss is probably going to come back next year again. So you know, I don't know. But anyway, if you want to get rid of it, zero that's, it that's is. The, I put the zero on, you get rid of the moss. Uh, and also, and there's a couple of questions in relation to this uh, because the temperatures are cooler at night now. With the weather forecast saying ground frost, yeah. is that effect going to affect uh, hanging baskets, particularly on plant pots? Well, if, what my advice is do up the hanging baskets. You can leave them out during the day, mm. but at night time, just put them into the garage or cover them with fleece, a couple of layers of fleece, and that's enough to keep them going. It is a grass frost, so the frost is is basically at grass level. So it's not, not going into the soil, is that it? It's not penetrating into the soil and nor is it kind of four feet up in the air type of thing so the frost will always settle on the soil so if you've got bedding plants planted in, in a in a border mm. they're susceptible to frost but if they're sitting up in a windowsill they're less, far less susceptible but my advice really is do up your hanging baskets leave them out during the day in a sunny location mm. but cover them at night time or else just bring them into the garage just for, for that night period and put them back out again or if you've got a, a greenhouse tunnel porch sunny location a little sun trap that's the spot for them now, I have four Fotinia bushes forming a short hedge. Two of them have come out in masses of white flowers, while the other two have the red leaves. Are they male and female? Any information, please? No, it's the same. It's the same variety. Okay. Uh, but but many of the Fotinias are actually flowering this year because of the really good summer last year. And this is what I was saying to you weeks ago that they a lot of our, our spring laurel, for example, mm. your ordinary common hedging laurel, is flowering everywhere this year. Um, but Fotinia is the same. All the Fotinia varieties produce this lovely white flower, um, as particularly as they start to mature. But you just so happen to have two of them flowering. They're all the same variety. They all will flower in time. Um, so my advice is just enjoy the flowers. Uh, Fotini is a plant that if you're growing it as a hedge, four plants together, regular trimming, even though you're enjoying those beautiful leaves, in a couple of weeks' time, I would give them a trim back because you want the hedge really thick and full. And remember, by trimming it back in three weeks' time, it'll still produce another flush of that lovely red colour. So you'll have it late June, July. Um, so regular trimming on the Fotini particularly as young plants to get them really tight well formed strong growing into one another um, is very important because people can sit back and enjoy the colour and they don't want to touch them <laughs> I know it's, it's like you're afraid that if you go at it you'll wreck it you'll wreck it yeah, yeah. But, but it is important to actually trim them on a regular basis so I would I would advise people to be trimming Fotinia at least three times a year early spring you know, about around the middle of June and maybe again in early August and keep it well trimmed, particularly in the formative years for the first five or six years until it forms that really tight edge. But enjoy the flowers at the moment. Now, is a tree heather a good choice to fill a windy gap? It's in poor soil. I keep bees and hoped that a tree heather would suit all round. Yeah, so a, a tree tree heather is um, it's probably arborescence. He's thinking of Erica arborescence, which is a lovely, a lovely. Uh, there's a lovely golden one called Albert's Gold, which is golden yellow foliage mm -hmm. and nice white or, or lightly pink flowers, and they grow. They call them tree heathers or we call them tree heathers because they grow to about five or six feet, unlike your traditional ground covering heather. Um, brilliant for bees, as all heathers are. 
but it won't tolerate a very open site. So if it's if it's quite exposed, my advice is to go for something hardier. Um, and if he drops into the garden centre, I have a, actually a list of bee-friendly plants, a whole hundreds of different varieties of um, plants that, will t- that are beneficial for bees. But in an exposed area, one of the ones I'd recommend is Berberus darwinii, which is a really hard hardy shrub, evergreen shrub with lovely orange flowers, loved by bees, or Ribes sanguinium which is the red flowering red currant, which is in bloom at the moment, and again loved by bees, or you've plants like Philadelphus or Dutzias which again flower right throughout the summer and again are loved by bees, and would be more hardy than the tree heather so, by all means plant the tree heather, but maybe pick a more sheltered spot for it because remember, it's going to be four to five, maybe six feet in height in time, and it does require some shelter. Okay. A couple of people with struggling heather or struggling laurels. Um, one person wondering about the best fertiliser for a laurel hedge that's not doing great, but they don't exactly say what aspect of it isn't doing great. Uh, somebody else's laurel hedge sowed last year. It's all going brown. Okay, well, that's not a good sign. No. So if I, if you, pl- if people planted uh, laurel last year, first of all, my advice is to tidy them back, trim them back, as we said at the top of the program. So you, again, you're only taking a couple of inches off them, but you're tidying them up, and give them a feed. So make sure there's no grass and weeds and rubbish at the base of them. They're, they're clear. You know, the soil is relatively clean around the base mm. of them, and then apply a dressing of Osmo Pro Six, a handful to each plant shaken at the base of, of the uh, um, the hedge and repeat that in about a month's time and that'll give them enough energy and it'll push on some new growth onto the hedge and it's a matter then of just trimming them and keeping them tidy. Yeah. So a lot of them are wind damaged this year. You know, we had quite quite, quite a bit of wind. wind. Remember, many plants come in, came in to leave early this year. We had a lovely start to the spring. It is. Then we had a couple of really cold, windy weather. Again, we had the storm. Mm-hmm. Hannah, was it? Hannah. That stripped yes. a lot of leaves and flowers off plants. And, and I said last week that you'll see the browning now coming through in the next couple of days and weeks of damage that was done by Hannah. Because mm. even laurel, when it comes into leaf, the growth, the young growth it's is very, very, very soft. Mm. Yeah. And if you get any heavy frosts or you get any cold winds and we ha- having that northerly wind, it does set plants back. So we are seeing symptoms of that this year. Browning of leaves, blackening of leaves, leaves being stripped off plants. Um, so by feeding them, you'll help to replenish that. So all plants, hedges and so on, will all benefit from a dressing of something like the Osmo Pro 6 or a good tree and shrub fertiliser. The dew at night time is enough to wash it in. Okay, you so don't you don't have to that. water it, not at all. Just put it on and let the dew wash it in. Now, I was tidying the garage yesterday and came across cyclamen and nerine, nerine? Nerines, Nerines yeah. bulbs in a bag that I purchased last January. The bulbs Lovely. seem okay. Should I plant them? And when will they bloom? Uh, well, both will flower in the autumn. So uh, the, the nerines are beautiful. They, they grow about 18 inches high. They come in shades of purples and pinks. And they they have leaves like an agapanthus. They're strap-like leaves that stay relatively low to the ground. And then you get these stems and the lovely pink flowers um, in, in autumn. So they generally flower August, September. The cyclamen will flower, depending on the variety, but they generally flower autumn again, October through to Christmas. Um, cyclamen is obviously very low growing. So you really want to plant that maybe in a rockery or a heather bed or somewhere where you've got really low plants that won't hide the plant when it's in bloom because cyclamen will flower about four inches above soil level whereas the nearines would be 18 inches mm. so you can plant those in amongst the shrubs Just put them in the the cyclamen should be planted singly because they're quite a big bulb mm. and, and they, they spread quite well and the nearines should be planted like daffodils in groups of fives or sevens but if the bulbs are still plump and firm yeah. which they sound like they are yeah. then get them into the soil they will, um, they will flower this year. Will they? Oh yeah, 100%. 100%. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<coughs> now, what to feed for camellias and hydrangeas? Well, the hydrangeas, I would use the standard um, Osmo Pro 6, the tree and shrub feed. They mm-hmm. don't need anything anything special. And hydrangeas are hungry feeders, so it's ad- advisable to feed them now. Camellias like an ericaceous food, so a lime-free food. So again, you'll get a, a slow-released ericaceous pelleted okay. fertilizer. Again, this is the time to feed camellias now. Okay. They've been flowering brilliantly. They're coming into growth. And whatever growth they make over the next three to four or five months, they're going to flower on next spring. Right. So the feeding, liquid feeding and granulated feeding can be put on now. So again, pop it to your local garden centre, ask them for a nericaceous or a camellia or rhododendron fertiliser. And that's brilliant for all camellias. If you have them in pots, my advice is possibly to use a liquid feed. If they're in the soil, use the granulated feed. Now, I live mm. close to the sea and have the usual seaside plants growing in my garden. I'd Great. love to try some rosemary and lavender. Lovely. Are they okay in a seaside garden? Yeah, both are both are, are really good. Lavender, um, you know, is, is obviously lower growing. There's two varieties of, of, of um, rosemary. Um, so rosemary, the botanical name is rosemarinus. And marinus means sea. As in mar- oh, maritime. okay. So then that would indicate that it's... Yeah, it absolutely loves the sea. And it's got that kind of a, um, I wouldn't say a waxy leaf, but a kind of a strong leaf yeah. that the salt air won't stick to. There's two varieties. You've got the upright Rosemarinus officinalis, which grows as a kind of maybe five, six foot plant, but you can keep it trimmed and mm-hmm. keep it small. And it actually makes a beautiful hedge. Mm-hmm. And remember... When and there's you a great it, fragrance of it, yeah. When you're trimming yeah, the yeah. hedge, the smell from it. But there's also a variety called Rosemarinus prostratus, which means it grows prostrate or so flat, flat on the ground. So if you've got a slope, a bank or a, a bed where you want a bit of ground covering plant, that's a beautiful variety. Prostratus, it, it actually fills right across the ground. There's actually some of it planted for those of people in Castlebar outside of, uh, let me get this right now, out at the back of, uh, across from Tesco's. Right. As you're at the roundabout there. There's some planted there. I was actually at the roundabout. It, yeah, a couple of days ago at the roundabout. There's a little group of it there. That's the ground That's covering the one. That's the one. Yeah, it's on a bank or on a slope just planted there. But there's also the tall one. But both are suitable for seaside conditions. Lavender likes seaside conditions as well with that kind of grey foliage. Both require free draining soil. They're both Mediterranean plants so plenty of sand and gravel and grit dug into the soil. And both will grow in pots and containers. And both are edible. Excellent. Now, I'm going to chance my pronunciation on this because this is completely a new one for me. Uh, can you tell us something about a Philadelphus coronarius? Am I, am what I, would you like to know? Well, um, our, listener, so Philadelphus, our, our listener would like to tell you to, us to know, uh, to know anything about, about it. it. Yeah, right. anything will do fine. So Philadelphus is, is um, a really easy plant to grow. What, so I, what, are, what is it? So it's called mock orange. So it's a, it's a flowering shrub. But it comes into flower in kind of uh, early summer. So it'll be coming into bloom now in about three weeks' time. So for June, July sort of period. Beautiful white flowers. It's often called the mock orange because it smells of oranges. It's a beautiful scented oh, uh, flower on it. Um, easy to grow. Uh, it's perennial. comes back year after year. It forms a shrub effectively, but loved by bees. So it's one of those plants that you could plant. So for that listener that asked me about the tree heather, mm. Philadelphus is one that you could plant in the garden. Really easy to grow. Beautiful white flowers. Simple, easy plant. Again, you'd give it a light trimming after flowering. Uh, it'll make a, 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 you know, between four and maybe six feet in time as it grows and um, a lovely ad- addition to any garden. Okay. So Philadelphus, lo- lovely little plant. 
Right. Uh, all kinds of questions. People and people and bother Porek with uh, different yeah. bits and pieces. That's what we're here for, all right, go on. We'll ask. We'll we'll do one or two rose questions. Uh, is it too late <laughs> <laughs> to prune the rose roses? I I feel for this person because I could be me. You see, uh, this is our ninth show, isn't this, it? Well, I don't I don't do a head count on show. these. I do, uh, I do keep an eye on it. This is our extra ninth show anyway. of the season, and I think I started a program one telling people to prune their roses back in February or March because every year we get a question: Is it too late to plant plant the roses? Right. So we didn't roses. get a chance to prune okay. my roses. Is it a no to touch them now, says Anne Marie? It's a yes to touch them now. Okay, Anne Marie. Yeah, Good to this go. weekend and cut them back and, and be quite severe with them. You can literally go back to six or eight inches with them. Give them a good trimming back. Um, they'll kick into growth within two weeks, three weeks. Give them a good feed. Feed them again in a month's time and they will flower definitely by July for you and flower well into the autumn. So definitely cut them back. Don't leave them. They'll be scraggy. They'll be disease ridden. You know, they'll be just a mess if you leave them alone. So you need to rejuvenate them by cutting them back hard now, feeding them and they'll be perfectly fine. And staying with roses for a moment, I'm looking for two climbing roses that I can mix together to flower at the same time, two different right. colours. Okay, yeah, well, a, a great time to plant uh, climbing roses. So there's there's a lovely variety called Summer Wine, mm -hmm. which is a two-toned rose. So it's Ooh. got pink and white in the flower. Um, it's a cluster flowering variety, so it produces a lot of bloom per stem. Uh, so Summer Wine, really nice variety. Uh, the plants themselves will be about three feet high at the moment and they'll come into flower again this July, August sort of period and flower through to the autumn. Um, another lovely variety is one called Summer Yellow. So the two of them could be Summer Wine and Summer, summer yellow, yellow mixed together. Yellow is a, is a it's very deep uh, per, uh, apricot in bud orange and bud and then it opens to lovely white um, so that's two that's of those lovely. can be mixed together now look there's lots of really good variety climbing varieties mm. but those two would actually work very very well together so summer wine and summer yellow okay I get a hollow space in my turnips and swedes when they're ready to pick in August any tips to stop okay that so that's that's boron deficiency yeah. that's just that uh, hollowing of the centre of the uh, turnips and, and so on so all you do is put down fertiliser containing boron and do that now even if this, the turnips have germinated and they're beginning to grow give them a light dressing of, of uh, Vitex Q4 is actually the fertiliser to use so it's got boron in it but it's also got all the other nutrition nutritional elements uh, that turnips and suede's will need it can be also used on ordinary vegetables as well so Vitex Q4 put that on now and they'll be perfectly fine uh, can you advise on my Clematis Montana? Five years old it was super for the past few years but this year it's very sparse and I've never cut it back well, it's, it's unusual because Clematis Montana is one of the easiest varieties um, to grow. It's quite a vigorous variety, putting on four to maybe eight feet per year. So it's a quite a vigorous... Now, because of that vigour, it does need free run root. It needs good soil. Um, so if it's in a pot, it's going to be held back. Or if the soil isn't up to, up to kind of quality or standard, it'll be held back as well. So I would, I would guess that the vigour is down to some condition like that. Or else maybe the stem has been damaged in some way. Okay. Uh, maybe if the listener took a picture of it, sent it in to me. Um, but certainly the need, give it a good feed. That'll certainly help to boost it on. But if it's restricted in any way by being kept in a pot, or if the soil quality isn't up to standard, it, you will see it starting to go back. Um, but anywhere I've seen them, Montanas are beautiful this year. It's, it, they're very, very, and they don't suffer from pests or diseases or anything like that. So, so to me, it's it's a it's a growing condition. It's just either soil or it's in a pot or it's held by by some 
or, or it's been physically damaged. Okay. The stem itself may be damaged. Now, my alstroemerias have grown very early this year, but they've fallen over with the wind over the last few weeks. If I cut them back, will they grow again this year? Yes, they will. And and remember that many cottage there's a, a terminology used called the Chelsea chop for uh, people that are growing cottage garden plants. So the reason it's called the Chelsea chop. So what, what that means is you can actually... You allow the cottage garden plants, things like alstroemerias or even delphiniums, to in, come into growth, which they mm. do early in the season. And then at this time of year, just around the time of the Chelsea Flower Show, you actually give them a light trimming back. You trim the tops of them, taking four or five inches off the top. And what that does, it, it actually puts the growth into, it doubles the number of branches and stems the plant mm. has. It keeps the plant more turgid and stronger and it kind of stops this um, softness coming into the plant. So you, the overall alstroemeria or delphinium will be slightly smaller in stature but it'll be broader with double the amount of flowers on the plant. Okay. So we call that the Chelsea chop. It's often done it's done at this time of year. Chelsea many, flower show. Yeah, it's, it's kind of time, and that'll be two weeks from now, I think, or two two weeks just before bloom, bloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chelsea. So any time from now on, and the fact that plants come into growth early this year, I wouldn't be afraid to cut them back even now. So even the salvias I was mentioning earlier, delphiniums, plants like those that are, give them a light trimming now, and it'll thicken them up, it'll make them stronger. And when you do get windy weather, they're a lot more turgid and able to stand up to that. So okay. you take that kind of softness out of them. Uh, the storm also has damaged leaves on a rhododendron. Will the rhododendron still flower? Oh, it will, yeah. It should be coming into flower now. Many of the... Um, the leaves, have, I'm getting there, the leaves have got, might have nearly have all gone. They've probably been blackened and stripped yeah. back and, and with the stormy weather. Look, at those leaves will come back again. Give that rhododendron a feed and it'll, it'll kick it back into... It's like you're just peeling the leaves off the plant. It'll kick... It'll Back replenish in. that again. So give it a feed. It should be perfectly fine. The buds shouldn't have been damaged really by the wind. And um, many rhododendrons are just on the point of either flowering or on the point of flowering. So it should, it should come into flower in the next week or two. Now, it is skimmia plant. It was lovely over Christmas and still has some berries. And the new berries are starting to grow now. Do I need to remove the old ones? No, you don't. No, and that, some varieties like skimmia obsession, um, the birds don't like the berries on them. And you, you, this is typical of what you find. They've buried since November. November, the birds won't touch them, so they'll naturally fall off, fall off as they ripen. Um, so just leave them alone, enjoy it. And uh, many of the skimmias are, have been flowering beautifully in the last couple of weeks. Again, another great bee plant, um, skimmia japonica or skimmia obsession. Brilliant for early pollen for bees and early nectar for bees. Now, I started my sunflowers in small pots. Great. Is that okay? The shoots are just appearing. So what next? Oh, yeah. No, well, let them grow on. Um, so leave them on the windowsill. Remember, they are frost hardy or frost sensitive I should say <laughs> frost sensitive so keep them inside for at least another three to four weeks um, and then once they're strong maybe a foot tall plant them outside in a sunny location you're often better to plant sunflowers as a block maybe six or seven of them together space them about a foot apart and kind of create this block because they'll help to support one another put a couple of bamboo canes with them remember the need a bright sunny location in free draining soil and um, feed them, liquid feed them about once every two to three weeks and just sit back and enjoy them. They'll continue to grow. But don't put them out, don't be tempted to put them out yet until the first week of June. I've planted a yellow flowering laburnum, which is just about to flower. Lovely. I'm wondering what other complementary trees might grow about the same size that I could plant okay. now. I need about three more. Well, laburnums grow to roughly between about 18 feet. They're generally under 20 feet in height and they're just on the point of flowering now. So if you wanted something maybe that would for to give you colour a little bit later on, the Malice family would be lovely. They're just 
coming into flower at the moment, but more importantly, the beautiful berries in the in the winter. So there are varieties like Rudolph or Gorgeous or Golden Hornet that have lovely uh, ornamental edible berries in the autumn time. The mountain ash family would be similar height to the... Um, to the laburnum, so things like Joseph Rock, Sorbus Joseph Rock, or Sorbus Occuparia, um, they again flower and they bury uh, and look really well. The white beam looks brilliant at the moment, and again would be similar uh, height to um, our laburnum. Liquid amber, which is beautiful autumn foliage colour, mm-hmm. so a maple-like leaf during the summer, and then lovely autumn colour. So I think, look, pop into your local garden centre. It's a great time for planting trees in the garden. Most of them are in full leaf. Mm-hmm. Most of them are anything that's flowering will be flowering at this time of year. And, um, you know, many of the ones that I mentioned, you get both the flower and the berry in the autumn or indeed you often get the lovely autumn colour as well. So there are plenty of trees around that kind of, that's kind of a medium sized tree. Uh, How often do you lift rhubarb and split it and when is the best time? Well, it should be lifted in the winter time, so I would leave it until uh, it dies back in November. So keep picking it and enjoying it at the moment. Um, keep it fed because rhubarb is quite a hungry plant. Mm. You lift it generally every four to five years is a, a good rule of thumb to dig it up, literally with a sharp spade in October, split it into four or five pieces. You generally dump the centre. That's the oldest part because that's the point you, you originally planted it from and it spreads out from that. So that's the piece that you actually get rid of and you keep the outer pieces. So normally from a, a single clump, you'll get four to five new pieces of rhubarb. Replant them. Don't pick them for the first year. Let yeah. them grow on, let them build up. And then every year after that, um, they should be fine for at least another five years. Can we use garden manure to feed laurels? You can, of course. I'm presuming they're thinking of uh, farmer manure or yes. compost manure. And yes, you can. You can put a, a mulch of that on the top of the, the surface of the soil and that will work its way down. The worms will drag it down. And, and uh, of course, that'll, that's a, a good fertiliser for them. <coughs> Sorry, apologies. A little bit of a Remember, don't overfeed laurels mm. either because you don't, because they're, they're quite vigorous. So really feeding them now is really just to kickstart them and to put on some kind of new growth and, and get them kickstarted for the year. But don't keep feeding them the whole summer. They don't need that. Where can we get nematodes? They're actually available at the moment. Um, <laughs> we're waiting for the temperatures to warm up, up a little bit. So anything above kind of 10, 11 degrees. So the sort of temperatures we're getting at the moment is ideal. The uh, So the nematodes are basically brilliant at controlling things like leather jacket, carrot root fly, wireworm, uh, those soil-borne pests that can be a bit of a nuisance and it's a great organic way of treating them. So if you've got leather jackets in your garden, go pop into your local garden centre. The nematodes are available now. You can use them anytime over the next kind of four to maybe six weeks and they are very effective, very effective on vine weevil as well in pots and containers. Now, I received a slip of a rose from my granny's home place last oh, lovely. year. Lovely. Uh, any suggestions on what to grow beside it in order to enhance it and keep it thriving? Okay, well, if it's an old cottage garden rose, obviously it's, it has rooted and it's it's growing. I would plant, keep keep to that theme. So some of the um, everlasting sweet pea would be lovely. So that's the perennial sweet pea that comes back year after year. That There's a lovely one called Pink Pearl and it would have that lovely cottage garden feel um, mixed in. Some of the clematis varieties as well, the, the uh, smaller flowering clematis varieties like the Montana we mentioned would be would be lovely because it's flowering at this, at this time of year. Um, it depends on, on the space you have. If, if it's a large space, you could plant wisteria. 
this time of year again it has that kind of cottage garden theme so sweet peas wisteria some of the clematis varieties maybe indeed another rose variety with it as well something like Handel or Dance to Few which is a lovely red rose with small flowers um, either of those would, would complement it or that one I mentioned summer wine is a beautiful one as well so and it's lovely to mix climbing roses with other climbing plants just to get a complementary uh, colours now, um, my question is about a very healthy holly bush, two foot high. It's in a pot that has Great. started to drop its leaves. I fed it last month, and as far as I know, it's never dried out. Help! I would guess Please. it has dried out at okay. some stage because holly, the sure sign of holly drying out, and even if it only dries out for a couple of days, it drops its leaves very quickly. You'll often notice when you cut holly and bring it in at Christmas time, it defoliates very, very rapidly. Um, so it should be only brought in at the last minute. But I, I would guess it has dried at, at, at some stage. If the listener can, take it out of the pot, either put it into a larger pot or move it out into the garden soil. Hollies need cons- constant moisture. So if they get dry at any stage, even for, for a week in a pot, they'll That's start to okay. defoliate. The leaves will just start to fall off. Okay. Perfectly healthy leaves will just be dropping off the plant. And it's a sure sign because they don't really suffer from pests and diseases. There's no <coughs> other real, I can't think of any other reason it would be defoliating, but definitely dryness. And if it, it's in a pot. And in a pot, it can happen so it's easy. Acceptable. And like it's not just the sun that dries plants. Remember, the wind can dry them equally as fast. So I think move it into a bigger pot or... Um, put into the garden soil and now is a good time to do that. Okay, we're we're probably very quickly going to finish on this one. Should I be worried about the thick roots of a wisteria which is planted too close to the house? The roots are bulging, the slabs and it covers a huge wall. Well it is, they are surface rooting now. They probably aren't going to grow, they're not going to grow you know, a a terrible amount more as it were. So it's not going to do a I think any, it won't do any damage to your foundations of the house or anything like that. Where slabs are contained, like cherry trees, the roots of wisteria stays very close to the surface and you can get kind of slight bulging but it tends not to go above that so I think it'll be perfectly fine I'd leave it alone and um, just you know wait and see I think it'll be be perfectly okay I'm in the garden centre later on so if people have any questions they can catch me in the um, in 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 Turlock, I okay. should say. Turlock Garden <laughs> Centre. Um, I'll be there for the afternoon. Perfect. And uh, you can pop in and say hello. Okay, well, have a great bank holiday weekend to all the gardeners. And we're back again next Saturday on the programme at nine or just afterwards. So do join us then for that. Stand by Michael Neary. It's coming your way live after the news at 10 this morning. He is live at Foxford Woolen Mills. So lots to look forward to there. And uh, the very best in country as well, right through until one o'clock. Thanks indeed for your company over the past couple of hours and Teresa for her help as well. Until next Saturday, good morning to you.